a Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Hey, greetings, everybody. Greg Rempe here, and I am bringing you a breaking extra podcast bonus content podcast, not to be redundant. I did a appearance on Chad Ward's show, Whiskey Bent Barbecue in the Pit, which precedes my show from 7 to 9 on Outdoor Cooking Channel. And in case you didn't get his replay of it, I wanted to stick it on my feed. So sit back, relax, and listen to the tables getting turned. Uh, rarely am I interviewed, so I am uh, very honored and happy and respectful of somebody asking me and of course, I'd rather do nobody else's show than Chad's, who uh, has kind of come up in the ranks with me over the years in podcasting as it relates to the industry of barbecue and grilling. So without further ado, it's me, it's Chad, it's Griff, it's also uh, Tim Malloy, who was a guest host on Chad's show as well. Enjoy, everybody. Greg, hello. Please don't tell me I can't hear him. Hey, Chad. Hey, thank you, man. Dude, I sat here and played with this audio for 45 minutes before the show. And I'm like, dude, you got to make sure you're here. And I know, dude, there's, there's no on you like when you go on to the Greg Rempe show. There's a there's a really good-looking sounding lady that says, will you hold for Greg, please? It, it says that? Yes, yeah, yes. Of course, man. You got you to gotta step you gotta step it up a notch. I, hey, we're, we're, hey, we're working on it, man. We, was like getting ready for the prom, man. <laughs> the uh no it is funny when you talk about it, you gotta step your game up a little bit griff and the show open was kidding around about man i wish greg had that sound bite from when from when he welcomed us to outdoor cooking channel um because he still loves that line about well at least you left from the uh 70s porn line <laughs> and blog talk radio yeah there's there's a lot of people that should consider that have you know, it doesn't have to be barbecue shows or grilling shows. I mean, if it's outdoor cooking, yeah, there's a lot of shows out there on Blog Talk Radio that really could do themselves a service by getting in, getting in contact with uh, Kevin Bevington and and taking it. That should be the New Year's resolution for everybody to stop sucking and sound like they're calling in their phone show because guess what? They're calling in a phone show and it sounds like crap and they sound like crap. I mean, it's like you just poked into a 1970s party line, hardline style, man. It's the worst. That's it. That was, that's the line right there, Greg. I mean, give me a break. uh, But no, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And, and, and I think for people to understand too, it probably, that really for me to come over to Kevin's show, I'm just equipment wise, and he made it really easy for us. I was maybe into it like 300 bucks, you know, and, but, but the sound quality is a hundred times better. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and the fact that you got the, you know, the, uh, a real chat feature, you've got, well, spoiler alert, you've got video yeah. who doesn't want to see this mug every week. I mean, honestly, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, all the way around it. I mean, and the fact of, you know, the way Kevin's content runs, you know, he, you know, we, we're, we're always out there. Uh, so, yeah, for anybody out there that's got something that's that's anything food related, reach out to Kevin over there at Outdoor Cooking Channel and uh, he'll get you hooked up. And maybe one day you'll be a biggest star because Greg Rempe. That's what pulled me over here. Yeah, right. That's that's got to be the biggest uh, attractor, right? Yeah, well, it, it was. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go boy crush this whole interview. That's right. But uh, I, I am going to give credit where credit is due. Kevin gets on to this for doing love fest, man. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Let but, me ask you this, Greg. Um, what about Howard Stern when he was doing his, I'm not going to resign with Sirius and all this. He made a statement that anybody that does podcasts is losers. How do you feel about that? How did I feel about him resigning? No, no, how do you feel about him saying that people that do podcast radios are losers? They're oh, they're yeah. Well, look, I think, uh, I think that if, if he still has any interest doing his show after this next five years is over, then he, I, I think he says a lot of that just, just to keep people on, uh, on sure. his, on his station. Right. So, I mean, obviously you can see podcasting is very popular. Um, yeah. you have Adam Carolla, you know, you have, yep. I mean, whoever else, all the comedians, everybody's got a, that's the thing right now. Everybody's got a podcast. Yep. So there's something to it. Can you imagine if we're talking about straight cash, which we're all business guys here, so that's what we want to talk about, right? He's making a lot of money at Sirius, no doubt about it. If he told Sirius, forget it, I'm not going to resign, and then did his own show just like this each and every morning and got the bandwidth together, and then he charged people a subscription to his show every month or yearly, he would take all that money. It would be huge payday, man. Or, or, or does he even have to take money from the listeners? Or does he just take that 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 advertising revenue straight to the head? Well, yeah, but you could carving it up with serious. He could eliminate all of the advertising. I mean, that was the thing that brought me over. I was going to go regardless, but I was like, wow, now we can have hours on end of commercial free Howard Stern. But in the end, he's a money bag, right? So everybody wants to pay money. Everybody wants to be on his show. Sirius wants to make more money. So inevitably there's commercials. Now it's not the same as it used to be on terrestrial radio where every 20 minutes you had to duck off and you were, you know, depending on when you got it in the car, you either heard only commercials all the way driving to work or, you know, you lucked out and you got Howard Stern for that block. It's not like that anymore, but there's still commercials. So he could do away with the commercials and just have that subscription money to himself. He would sound great. He wouldn't sound any different or any worse if he was doing it just like this show. If he would do it, you know, from his, he could do it from his house for crying out loud. I'm in my basement. Come on, man. Yeah. There's a lot of money out there. Yeah. No, that's actually a great point. And how many people, you know, what would be curious to me, Greg, is what's the number of people that keep a serious subscription because of Howard Stern? Oh, it's huge. It, I mean, it's it's got to be high double digits. Are you? Yeah. T- t- Tim Malloy from Backyard Bros, which has not had the pleasure of being on the Greg Rempe show yet. But he, won a grand. He, he, he will be in the future. He'll have the opportunity to maybe. Of course. Um, the uh, He was saying he he's one of those that that keeps his subscription um, just because of Howard Stern. Yeah, it's just the only reason I have it. I wouldn't have it otherwise. Oh, so there's two. I don't have Sirius, so I'm out. Griff doesn't have Sirius, so he's out. So, so two, two of two. Now, I will tell you, as a, uh, as a road warrior with some windshield time, I, I you know, and, and, you know, some rental cars have, you know, Sirius, some don't. Um, I'm a podcast guy, man. I'm, I'm a... I'm a uh, more stories, you know, Jay Moore guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a uh, going back to my uh, my southern roots. I'm a Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast yep, guy. He's a good guy. Um, you know, just just different guys like that. Uh, Chael Sonnen, uh, you know, WFC uh, guy. Greg Rimpy podcast guy. Well, I've always got dude. I've always got Rimps on the. Uh, Griff, I appreciate ever that, since by I the started way. traveling. I've I've listened to every Rimpy show ever yeah. done. I appreciate the. I appreciate um, you saying that, Griff. By the way, that doesn't go unnoticed. 
No, it was Malloy. Tim, I, oh. I don't know if Griff would know how to download a podcast, <laughs> but uh, but that that was that was actually Tim Malloy here in thank studio you, saying he's a thank you. He's a rent, Greg, Greg, he's a rempy podcast guy. Appreciate that. So uh, so Greg, let let's boil it all back for a second. And what the hell made you get into doing? I believe there were six or seven of them. The 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 first Barbecue Central show podcast. What what kind of made you decide to jump into this thing? Well, I mean to track it back, uh, I was I had moved into a house uh, over here in Cleveland, and my wife got me a, a gas grill, and I had expressly cooked through the back of it, um, just through using it all the time, and was in the market for a new grill, and so I was getting ready to pull the trigger on like a twelve hundred dollar Gen Air stainless steel Ooh. deal at Lowe's, and it had all the bells and whistles. I was very excited. And I ended up talking to my cousin, Glenn, who was at that point a barbecue caterer in Maryland. And he said, hey, have you looked at a barbecue pit? And I said, I have no idea what that is. And so he kind of educated me on what barbecue is and the different kind of pits. And he said, look, you know, there's a handful out there that you can get for relatively small money. And if you like it, you like it. You can also buy a grill. You probably save yourself money overall compared to buying that Gen Air. And now you have two different ways to cook. So Mm -hmm. uh, I did a little research, found the Weber Smoky Mountain. And my wife, Becky, bought that for me on a Father's Day. And that was my very first foray into low and slow. I had no idea how to use it. Uh, I screwed up a slab of ribs beyond recognition the very first time I used it and thought, man, I hate this thing. And uh, before throwing it out, I went on the internet and found the virtualweberbullet.com. And it was strictly dedicated to that cooker. And I met a whole bunch of people that taught me how to use it right. And uh, from there, so that's kind of, you know, getting into the smoker thing. And then the the Virtual Weber Bullet was kind of my uh, internet gateway. And uh, I got on there and was very social and was told by the administrator that I was posting too much and asking too many questions. And What? Uh, yeah. And then I was like, man, that's weird because these, this is a forum. You should ask questions mm-hmm. and be free to congregate and uh, have yeah. hobnob and so forth. And I said, well, maybe I can start my own thing. So I found a few free forums and platforms and put some stuff together and launched uh like my free bulletin board.com thing and it started to grow and after a couple of years i bought my own space on the internet and called it bbq dash the number four dash letter u or bbq w for or you BBQ for and, uh, and then we were off and running it was growing organically we were getting membership and to supplement the content i decided to start a podcast i had heard a little bit about it and uh, I did some very, very crappy podcasts. And Dude, uh, hey, I, I, I listened to all of them at least twice just so I have shit to razz Greg about. Wait, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know if you've heard the very first handful. I, well, it, it, dude, that, there was a time where they were posted. I, I think it may have been on some GeoCity site. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I. I remember downloading a when I first went on iTunes, I had to go download six podcasts, and then I started downloading the the other show. Yeah, so those six, yeah, those yeah. those were actually ones I felt good about really sending out forever. The other ones you haven't heard. 
Yeah. If if you had, I'm telling you, next time I get to Florida, if you're in town and we meet up at uh, in Sarasota, I'll play the very first show, and you will after you get up from passing out on how bad it is, just all together. You'll be like, I can't even believe that this is the same guy, guy. hosting this. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so bad that uh, it, I mean, it's so bad. I should probably just put him out there and, and take the lumps. But um, <laughs> yeah, so the, the podcast, the podcast was just a supplement to the stuff that was happening on the forum. And sure. then there was like this big influx of barbecue podcasts and it was just all long form. So I would interview you and we would talk for 45 minutes or maybe an hour. And then I would section out what I felt was the best 25 to 30 minutes of that all pre-produced, pre-recorded. And then I would post it once a week. And then there was a whole rush on barbecue podcasts who were kind of doing the same thing. And so I wanted to try live and how does anybody find anything? They go on Google and there was a Craigslist listing from a guy out in L.A. who said, hey, I'm starting this Internet radio station and I'm looking for hosts. So I got on with him and pitched him the idea. And he thought I was completely crazy that I would be able to host a barbecue show for one hour a week at that point. And <laughs> I said, dude, I've been doing it for two years. Uh, I can I can do this. It's sustainable. And so we agreed and started at L.A. Talk Radio in 2007 in February 2007 and fast forward to you know where we're at today uh, I don't think there are many other people that have the staying power and the catalog of material that I have I don't know if anybody has it specifically to our industry uh, like I haven't has been able to crank it out week after week and year after year no I would completely agree and I want to hit on that here in a second uh, I want to go back so to get that perfect barbecue you hold on Chad. sorry that's my bad all right, no problem. Um, to go back to the very beginning when you're talking about burning out the back end of that $300 grill. Yep. So so did, did, did you and Bill Rempe or Connie, I mean, did you just grow up grilling? And, and you, Well, obviously, you're kind of new to the smoking game. Um, did, did you guys just do a whole bunch of grilling, um, you know, early on in life? No, I mean, you know, coming up, there was definitely no, like, barbecue as we know it like smoking or you know whatever right. you want to call it um there was there was none of that um but there was uh definite grilling job. yeah my dad had a gas grill and there was a, a man an old school weber kettle on the side of the house that he broke out every once in a while but it was your standard you know steaks and london broils and uh he did ribs on the grill and um so nothing you know over the top uh, you know i'm not like southern boy that kind of grew up around yeah. it but i'm definitely uh, for me, it was sitting on the back porch on the picnic table, watching my dad cook over a live fire. That was yeah. more of the romantic portion of it for me. Um, it wasn't necessarily how good was the food because food was good. It was yeah. just that hangout time and, and being in the back of the house and seeing the smoke rise up and, and all that stuff that really kind of, you know, got me wanting to know a little bit more about it. And then, uh, you know, through college, I, I cooked on the grill and then uh, obviously, you know, where I got into the to the barbecue side. But it wasn't anything yeah. that was, you know, deep, rempy tradition of, you know, barbecue and grilling or anything like that. Got you. No. And I think there's something, too, about. You know, when you know, to me, it was always like, you know, when, when me and a couple of my buddies had a house, um, you know, together there in college, I, I just didn't, I mean, I just enjoyed it, man. I mean, I don't know if, if some of the listeners here have probably heard me, me talk about it before, but the first grill that I really had that I cooked on as mine was a sunbeam. Yes. Yeah. Sunbeam. 
<laughs> green. It was a green sunbeam that my dad gave me that was a gas grill, but all the guts had died. And so I yank all the guts out, and then you have this big hole in the middle. Well, I went and got a piece of sheet metal, bended it. JB welded the, the sheet metal over the top of the hole and then drilled about six holes in that JB and in, in that in that sheet metal so that I could get airflow and I turned it into a charcoal cooker. And I literally would just take whatever was close dated at Publix, Winn Dixie, wherever I was shopping at while I was in college, and, and that's that's what I would cook that weekend. And that was really it. <laughs> but but there was something about, like you were talking about, you cooked in college, you know, this and that. There's something about just, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to sound all chauvinistic about it, but there's something about being a man where it's just kind of like, dude, you, you feel at peace out there with a cold beer in your hand, yeah. a set of tongs, and, you know, and, and just that smell. You know what I mean? And um, just that atmosphere, whether it's snowing outside or it's, you know, 95 degrees. It's just cool to be out there and be amongst it. Yeah. You know, so like, like you, you know, going back to 2007 there out there on the, uh, the, the, the LA, you know, talk radio gimmick, which I thought was, I, and I always remember listening to the earlier shows and you would always talk about, you know, that, that, yeah, if you want to listen to hear me live for an hour, here's what we'll do it. Then the second hour, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Talk to people about the kind of what it takes to, to kind of start that up because you, you were on there. So did you start out on their airwaves or were you on your, on, on your website, but also on their airwaves at the same time? How did that work? Yeah. So initially he was the guy in LA talk radio was kind of my uh, blowtorch, if you will. So we, once we agreed that he felt comfortable enough to put the show on to start out with is one of the kind of the, the Mount Rushmore of shows. We had to figure out a way for him to connect to me in Cleveland. And then he yeah. would be able to kind of rebroadcast my signal out through his signal at LA talk radio. So uh, I found a piece of software. Uh, somehow I was able to get it installed and actually had it hooked up. Right. And so I got my equipment and, started out he would connect in at a certain time uh we would communicate through skype on when my signal was up and then he would just kind of blend me in as the sh- the other show that was ending uh was headed out and put me up and we would end at 10 till the hour and then that was it so uh now, he he was now, the he was the signal basically now back then when you were getting started the, did the show before you always hit their time on the way out yeah they, and guess what they had a 10 minute buffer Oh, wow. Yeah, shows oh, had wow. to end at 10 minutes till the hour. So if you went over, man, if you want, if you bled into the next show, people were pissed because you, you had were, 10 hours to wrap up or you, you had 10 a, minutes to wrap yeah, up. Yeah, you, you were a staunch a hole yeah. if you did that. Yeah. 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 Full blown griff hole. <laughs> yeah, a griff hole. Yeah. Right. I like that. Right. The, uh, no, but that's too cool. And, and, and I think, but, but, you know, listen to how you started with finding that piece of software and this and that. I think it's kind of what makes your show what it is today with all the screens and animations and those type of things. You've always been that guy trying to find a way to, you know, not just make it happen, which you did in that sense, but make it something different and make it yours and and make it memorable. You know, Chad, honestly, I never 
ever, ever, and I've told you this a thousand times off air, I never wanted this show to have any video component whatsoever. It it was called the Barbecue Central radio show for a reason. I just wanted to be like on a desk and able to look all around and, and do whatever I was doing. But as long as there was a mic in front of my face that I could talk into, it was fine. And then over time, I kept getting emails going, hey, you should put up a webcam. And I'm like, why would I put up a webcam? It's me. I'm talking into a microphone. And they're like, yeah, well, we want to see your face uh, when so-and-so answers a question or, you know, just we just want to see you. And I'm like, wow, that's so bizarre. And then Kevin called me one day and he kind of convinced me to put on a video component. And if you go back through the archives of Outdoor Cooking Channel and go back to my first show that is labeled there, dude, it's pretty horrible. It's It's a very poor quality webcam and it's like me from the bottom right shooting up my nose and it's there's a brick back wall and it's it's bad sounds good looks real bad and uh over time he kind of coached me along and made some suggestions on how to set up backgrounds and and then i just kind of put in green screen and the studio lighting and and the uh the, the live video broadcast software to to be able to switch screens and do all that other stuff uh, you, just to make it a little bit more mark. visually but yeah i mean so it's uh but you know i didn't go to school for this uh, i'm not a broadcaster i have no broadcast training i just kind of learned it all piece by piece over the last 8 years and here's wherever we are now yeah wherever that no, is no that's no that's that's yeah, and that's interesting to know. And, and I would say, I mean, I think the other thing that kind of factored in that decision for you was as you aged, you're like, I think I'm getting better and better looking every year. Yeah, damn People right. People need to see this face. Yeah, you, People you, need to see this face. You don't need to convince me of that. I live it every day. <laughs> the um, You know, one of the things when you talk about your, you know, and me and you talked about it on, on your show last week, and I've talked to you about it from when I started my show, was I've always wanted to be that that Roy Firestone guy. Yeah. You know, that, that guy that really digs down to that next layer of minutia of, you know, detail and this and that. And some people like it, some people don't. And, and it's kind of tougher in today's day and age for that to be a successful type of journalism because people are so into headlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you really only have people's attention for this long. But I think this microcosm that we're broadcasting to of competition barbecuers, they're detail oriented. So I think that's why I still do have a good amount of listeners that, that like that 30, 40, 45 minute format of kind of digging into the details. Um, at the same time, I think listening to your eight to 12 minute, you know, and you know, and, and, and you know, when you have a good guest and you'll say, Hey, can we do another segment? And the listeners want to see that. Yeah. Um, so I say, you know, Roy Firestone and up close is what was my inspiration. But I kind of know from from mine and your discussions, you're a big Rome guy, man. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a Jim Rome fella. Yep. Big, big Rome guy. Love, um, Rome. Big, Love Rome. Big Howard Stern guy. Uh, big Bubba Love Sponge guy when he was on Sirius. Um, yeah. And, and there's a couple local guys, uh, local sports talk show guys uh, that I really like here in Cleveland. And I think I, I kind of uh, emulate and, and have extracted bits and pieces of their persona and, and their cadence and how they ask questions. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that I realized when I wanted to 
you know, the, the goal initially, and it's not so much where it is now, and I apologize if I'm jumping uh, jumping questions here, but, oh. the, you know, you go into the 35 and 40-minute conversations, and I structured my show out of the box once I realized it was going to steam ahead to fit a terrestrial radio clock. So yes. I couldn't do 35 and 40-minute clips. I had to hit windows, and I wanted to show radio stations that, hey, I am – I have the ability to hit time segments. Uh, I have the ability to do live reads. I have the ability to to cut IDs and, and do all this stuff that the, the radio market would either not have to teach me or might find some value in not having to teach me. And obviously that hasn't happened, but it just became so much a part of the show and so much kind of a thing where, hey, if I have you on and we can do 12 or 15 minutes and you're great, I can always have you back on and everybody's going to be like, wow, I wish I would have had a couple more minutes. If you suck, I can at least get the hell out because there has Uh, been a huge amount of suck on the show. That format also is very familiar to people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if all of a sudden I started going 35 and 40 minutes at a clip in between guests, people would probably wonder what the hell was going on. So uh, you're right. I think there is a fan base that enjoys your style of interview and the way you're able to, as you say, dig down in the minutia and then be able to transition over and kind of get that, uh, let's call it national level show that you might get with me where I'm kind of trying to hit all different parts of the industry, competitor here, accessory guy here, grill maker there, meathead over here and, uh, and kind of dip in all segments, if you will. Well, well, you know what always followed up up close, right? Was sports center. Yeah, of course, man. Stuart Scott. It's my guy. Yeah, you, you know, and, and, and that to me is the, you know, I've had people before say, you know, well, I mean, do you feel like you and Greg shows are competing? I was like, dude, we're on the same network. Yeah. No, they're not competing. I, I, I said, I think they're, I said, even when we were on Blog Talk Radio, I always talked about Greg's show and wanted people, that's the whole reason I came to Tuesday nights. Remember when we talked about it? Yeah, that's right. I said, dude, how cool would it be to have four hours of barbecue talk? And, um, and, and that's the whole reason I started, you know, even when I started on blog talk, that's why I went from seven to nine, because I wanted people to log off of there and then move right over to outdoor cooking and listen to you. Yep. Me and Remps, he, he just, I hear this Ch- Chad, yeah. Chad was a fan of the show. Bottom line. Yeah, no, no, go, go, go. I mean, Greg, do you remember if you want, if you want to answer it? Um, geez. I mean, uh, like, how do we meet in person? No, well, well, no. I mean, I mean, all get linked up. I mean, how did you discover each other or whatever? I mean, I, I would, I, I will tell you this, and I'll, I'll just lead with it, and then Greg can go with it from there. Um, when I was traveling, you know, hundred thousand miles a year, I, I listened to Greg's shows on every flight, and, and I started probably he'd been broadcasting probably a year. I mean, I, I really got into competition barbecue, barbecue, and Oh nine ish. Oh, you know, and, and so I started listening to all his archives then, and I would just tag him in tweets like, Hey, you know, about to take off, listen to at BBQ central radio, da, 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 da. And I think that may have been where, you know, I, I tried to advertise his stuff just because I enjoyed it. And then we strung across a little bit of success. And I believe you invited me on the show for a segment, Greg. Yeah, that's right. And then we, you know, we kind of did a couple of segments together and, um, and kind of just got along. And when I was up in Cleveland, I said, Hey, you know, why don't you come up? 
you know, we're, we're at Matt's place and that's where we finally kind of met. Yep. And, uh, and then from there, it's just been, it, it, it's a, just a cool friendship from the point of view of we have, we have things in common, but at the same time, we have different ways of life and perspectives that we can both appreciate out of each other. You know, if that makes any sense, would you agree, Greg? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think another key thing that really helps solidify a, uh, a long distance friendship and potentially budding love affair is my parents were interested in seeing a oh, barbecue competition and they live in Sarasota, uh, Bradenton area. And I said, uh, geez, I know there's one in Venice and I said, let me make a phone call, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Chad, and at that point, you know, our, our, we hadn't known each other for a tremendous amount of time like we do now. And he's like, yeah, man, just have him come down, have him show up at this time. And I was very um, sure to tell my parents, look, you know, don't go in with any expectation. Just kind of hang back. This is it's very competitive. You know, just kind of look around and, you know, whatever they tell you, you can do is fine. But don't just assume you can kind of knock around and make it your own place. And man, I mean, they got back from that event, which. Did you guys win that one or like come in second place? Or? We took reserve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they came back, what, with food and just stories yeah. upon stories. I think I of, Bill Rempe home with a trophy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, I mean, it was just like, they were so awesome, though. We had such a good time. Oh, they, they, I mean, they still rave about how great it was and, and how hospitable everybody on the team was and how welcome they were felt. So, I mean, after that, I mean, you do that for my family and, you know, you're pretty much gold with me uh, till the end of time. So uh, that, that was a, a huge thing as well. And it's just been a, a great uh, both professional and personal relationship over the last handful of years that's, uh, you know, grown. And I can contact uh, Chad to come on my show and give his perspective and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful that you're allowing me time on your show tonight to kind of have it on the other end here. No, man. Fun, man. Absolutely no, man. Anytime. Have you had a chance to try the uh, Mark Gabert's uh, Bricks Barbecue down in Sarasota Farmer's Market by any chance when you're down visiting? No, I, I, I have not. You need to, man. Yeah. You need to go look at it. That's, it's fantastic. Well, Greg doesn't get down here to visit nearly as much. As Connie and Bill get up to Cleveland to visit him. Well, if you come down, you, you need to go check out. And and, and and now we got and now we got Katie way over there yeah. in the old Seattle area, man. Yeah. Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I told her I was going to try and hook her up with like uh, Julie Reinhardt and uh, um, who's my other girl? I'm going to oh uh, Lene Oxley. See if yeah, you know she can. Absolutely. Yeah, th- those are some uh, people to make you some good food. Yeah, she can get some proper eats out oh, there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Tallahassee, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. Lene, Lene is awesome people. The um, so kind of getting ahead and looking at the show, Greg. You know, and, and talk. Well, one thing I want to go back to the Rome thing for a second. Your 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 favorite smack off ever, as far as smack off segment. Who 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 delivered your you're, you're one you just enjoy and go back and listen to. Because there's a couple I go back and listen to. Oh, for Rome? Yeah. Oh, uh, any anyone that involved uh, Jeff from Richmond winning. Uh, I mean, the, gotcha. year, the year that he won, I don't know. Jeff from Richmond is my favorite caller. And if anybody has no idea what the Jim Rome show is all about, then I apologize as you tune out here and potentially go to sleep. But the, his cadence and the way he brought up all these terms, you know, like sleds and custom suits. I mean, he would always call and, and have this 
uh, Jim, this is Jeff from the Commonwealth of Virginia, and I'm on my countryside estate with my custom sled and my Armani suits. And let me tell you something, clones, any jabroni that thinks that he's going to take me out is sorely, and I mean sorely, mistaken. I mean, so he, he kind of went redneck Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean, he was totally... I, I always thought he was like a WWF wrestler in disguise. Right. Yeah, I mean, he could cut the, a promo at a drop of a hat. Now, the, the only one that I thought... I mean, one of them that I love is when Chael and Jeff Remendi... Yes, that was a classic. When, when, when Jeff called in early and, and flubbed it, right? And then, because their cadences... I mean, Chael has like that booming, like attention grabbing voice. Yeah. And then Jeff kind of has that deep, like, and he has spoken. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it, it was just like back and forth. You're like, and they didn't even win that year. No. Um, and it's like, but holy, but it was like an awesome, it, 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 it's just cool. I mean, Rome is one of those things, man. I will listen to him every time I get a chance. Yes. And, um, yeah, it, it's a blast, man, and, and that's a guy that's had some staying power. And you talk about humble oh, beginnings, holy yeah. shit! I I started you know? listening to him when I graduated college in '97, and he had a, a small handful of stations. He had just gotten into the Cleveland market at that point, and Cleveland turned into be you know one of the one of the biggest yeah. oh, stations. Dude, yeah. I mean, he loved Cleveland forever. We kind of dicked him Cut around a little bit since then, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I love him. I always listen to him. So when you talk about uh, when you talk about graduating college, is that DeVry or ITT Tech? Oh man, you know I couldn't afford to go to those schools. <laughs> you still be paying off. No, Damn right. No, where was the uh, where where was the uh, where, where did you graduate from? What did you study, Greg? The oldest college in Ohio, which is the Ohio University, founded in 1804, yes. not Ohio State, Ohio University. Yep. Proud Bobcat. Uh, and I got a uh, bachelor's of science. What's that? Frank Stolich. Yeah, Frank Stolich. Uh, Mike Schmidt, just to name a few. And oh, Nate. Oh, I got Mike a, Schmidt. I didn't yeah, know that. For sure. And I got a degree in uh, sports business. Sports business? Yep. All right. So what, what were you looking for there? Were you looking for more agents? Were you wanting to, uh, you know, I, I, what, what, what were you thinking yeah, when you got? I mean, what, what, what was your end game? Yeah, I obviously wasn't thinking. I mean, I can look okay. at it now with twenty twenty clear vision and say that I should have never went to college, not having a, a better idea of like uh, tracked on professionalism, or I should have gone and done communications and gotten into the radio thing, and, and maybe I would have had a career in radio. But I don't even know if I want a career in radio, and yeah. having a, a, a good gift of gab and ability to relate and build rapport quickly with people uh, for me it was a natural thing to, to go into the sales uh, side of things which is what i've been doing since 97 in some form or fashion yeah i, I will tell you um you know for me i graduated from a, a small college here locally florida southern and my thought process when i decided my major was i don't really know what i want to do <laughs> i know i want i know i wanted to go to med school and i failed out because I'm just not real good beyond anatomy and physiology too. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a little queasy. And, uh, and so what ended up happening was I, I was looked at, it and I was like, all right, I want to do business. What do I want to do? And I'm like, well, if I major in finance, I can always follow the money. Yeah. 
So regardless of what I do, if I want to be an accountant, if I want to do this or I want to do that, it's like, as long as you can follow the money, it all makes sense. And so I, uh, I majored in finance and, and that was, so there wasn't a whole lot of thought rationale in mind either besides just, well, do something that's kind of universal, <laughs> you know, to where you don't get yourself kind of shoeholed in and, yep. and much like, uh, much like, much like Travis Clark said tonight on Facebook, two of my, two of my favorite shit talkers. <laughs> um, Look, let me, let me address that because I read that too. And, and I want yeah. people to understand salespeople have a terrible stigma attached to them solely mm-hmm. because uh, car salesmen suck. And yes, they are, the, yes. aside from realtors, they are the worst salespeople ever. <laughs> yeah. And they ruin it for everybody. Uh, a proper salesperson is not somebody that should garner your ire. They should, uh, you should feel so good that you have somebody that is on your side, that is advocating for you, that is making sure that you are making the best decision for you. Now, look, do as a sales guy, do I want to build in as much profit as possible on a deal where everybody still feels good? Yeah, because it's how I get paid, Jack. Yeah. And if I wanted to give it all away for free, I wouldn't do it. But if I have the ability to bring across a product that competes with other things in the same market and build value and show you real tangible items to make you pick me, uh, I'm not tricking anybody. I'm laying it all out there, and I'm just convincing you you're making the right decision. I'm not even convincing you. I'm showing you you're making the right decision. And then if I have a better ability than everybody else out there to make sure that you aren't going to have buyer's remorse, which would everybody gets it, right? Because nobody, the sales guys are properly explaining, here's what's going to happen after this sale and here's what you should do on a maintenance yeah. thing and here's what you do if you have any questions you can call me you take all that away they leave they're happy and you're a good sales guy but nobody does that so we get a bad rap and it's bullshit and i'm sick of it well i, I think it's because realtors and salespeople oh. are job jumpers yeah well yeah they stay <laughs> nowhere they're there for six months and then that's it and, and for me i mean i've been in this you know sector of software for over a decade and the only thing that i trade on is my name and yeah I jump jobs about every three years yep. and it's not because I want to, it's because a recruiter calls me, offers me 20% more and I'd be an idiot not to go do it. Yeah. The, the good guys yep. are always being solicited, but, but, but that's because I'm, and I will tell you number one and, and uh, Justin hit on it earlier. If, if you put me in that, you know, quadrant of what I am, I'm a relationship sales guy, right? I, I you know, I've got content. Yes. Because I've been in the vertical that long. But I, I'm that guy that's going to come in and go, dude, when we're in the middle of the deployment and you're about to pull your hair out of your head, I'm going to walk up, I'm going to hold your hand, and I'm going to stroke it and say, dude, it's going to be okay. Right. You're not going to lose your job. I promise you. And my team behind me is going to make sure this shit gets done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's that. But when people think of sales guys, you're right. They think of that car salesman, that realtor, um, you know, that, that guy that's trying to schlep you a, a, you know, a refi. You know, and it's just, you know, and they're trying to turn and burn. But if you're really going to be successful, you got to invest in the people you're selling to. At the same time, they have to believe in you and you got to hold up that end of the bargain. And I think that's something that Tim, you know, if you want to talk about it, you're in a family business and and it's all about sales and execution. Tim, uh, just so you know, Greg, Tim's in the commercial painting business. Yeah. That, 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 you know, they, they paint a lot of, you know, in central Florida here and, and well, actually beyond the state of Florida, a lot, lot of commercial hotels, government buildings, industrial, you know, Tim, what, what, what have you learned about that in your years, you know, with you and your pop? 
Well, I mean, we just do, uh, we absolutely have to work on that all the time. Take care of the customer. Yep. That's yeah. It. It's constantly having to take care of the customer. I had to do it today. It, 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 it pisses you off half the time because the customer is up in your ass the whole time. But uh, constantly have to work on it. Yeah. Well, now let me okay. ask you all this. Friend of mine that was in sales and he made this statement to me. It made a lot of sense. He, he was in sales, now he's a teacher. Yeah. And you know, sometimes he says, you know, teachers really are kind of sales guys in a way. Yeah. But he says, uh, I can't, he said he always had a hard time trying to sell something that he didn't believe in. Do you guys feel the same way? Mm-hmm. Can you sell a product that you really I can't. I can't. No. I can't. How about you, Greg? Well, it all depends how much money's in it for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's the. I think that the the first thing that a customer is going to notice is if the sales guy doesn't believe in what he's selling. Yeah. And maybe you don't bring it across verbally, but it's probably going to be somewhere in your nonverbal, and yeah. uh, that's going to garner mistrust, or the guy just feels like you're a creep, and that's going to burn you every time. Well, and that's one of the things here that that I think makes makes us not hiding anything with we you know with our little store here greg is the fact of you can taste every sauce and every rub that's on the shelf yeah so nobody's gonna blind sell you like man this makes a great steak you take it home put it on something you're like dude this tastes like dog shit you know what i mean it's one of those things got you know any of my people you know whether it be griff or timmy or danielle or danny or nicole i mean they can all go over there you know let people taste it and that gives them instant credibility. Hey, here's what you should want for this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't feel like you're throwing your money yeah. away. Right. We always ask them what, okay. They come in they say, okay, what's a great rub for chicken? My first question is, do you like, what it? do you like? Hot, yeah. Salty, savory. Right. What do you want? They give me that answer. I can put them on three different rubs. They're going to buy one. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's really that easy. Yeah. You just, delivering what they want but you have to have knowledge of the product you know and it's funny they make fun of me all the time yeah about, i know griff worked today because there's a certain so, yeah, there's a certain <laughs> subset of things that got sold yeah because there's things that i really love there's things that i think are good but i like this better and i'm going to tell you what i like i'm not going to sit here and say something i don't like yeah all right greg i got about six minutes before i got to come back on uh, I got to cut loose for this. Uh, this is prima donna coming on after me. Yeah, um, heard all about him. <laughs> big deal, real big deal, real big deal. The uh, but no. Um, what? Uh, one of the questions I want to leave you with. It's a great interview. It's really it's 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 two it's twofold. Yep. Uh, it's if if at all possible, it's being timely because you can have something really good one Tuesday, and if it waits a week. You, you know it's going to be dead. Um, like uh, the, the dude that threw the brisket um, during that concession thing over the summer, yeah, uh, down in yeah, down yeah, in yeah, Kentucky, yeah. The, the thing was hot. Now it, it did have a little bit longer spin cycle than I thought it was going to have, but I needed to have that guy Tuesday and waiting an extra Tuesday. I was like, well, in forty eight hours, nobody's going to give a shit about this guy anyway. But it yeah. would have been a great interview. It would have been it would have been great. And I talked to the guy, and he just wasn't having it. And I was like, dude, you know, you realize this really isn't that big of a deal, right? So right. just come right. on, yeah. get over yourself. Let's do this. Let's live it out a little bit more. And he wouldn't do it. He thought it was a much bigger deal. And soon enough, you know, it was over with. That was it. Um, right. So it's it's being able to be timely if possible. But the the two biggest 
things that make a great interview for me are uh, locking in the guest, me doing my homework. Uh, for two hour show, I'm putting in 15, 20 hours a week to yep. make sure that I have my outlines down and, and all the stuff kind of tightened up and I feel good about bringing the show to the air. And then yep. it's, it is the guest. I mean, yes. that's probably the biggest percentage of what makes a great interview. It's the guest. If the guy or the girl or whoever isn't going to bring excitement, inflection, passion to the interview, they could be the most knowledgeable person ever. And if they're talking monotone and deadpan, everybody's like, yeah. holy fuck, yeah. when is this guy going to get off the air? He's horrible. You could you could talk about nothing and talk in circles, but be all jazzed up and passionate yeah. and excited and bringing it across the way. People are going to be like, wow, that guy was great. What I, did I don't he know what say? the shit it is, but this guy's got a real passion. I'm ready to buy. <laughs> what did he say? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's that's what makes a great interview for me. I mean, it's it's really the guest in the end, and, and they got to have the passion. And I hate to say that I put it in emails when I'm corresponding with people. I'm like, hey, by the way, just make sure you're bringing passion yeah. and excitement you know, across the airways because a lot of people don't see me, and they're not going to see you, and they're just listening like radio. And that's how most of the people get the show. It's through iTunes download. So nobody's yeah. seeing anybody. It's just so you got to bring it, and that's – that's that's the scary part for me because I trust nobody and well, it's making sure. I think that's a huge advantage for me with my show over you is I've met most of these people. Yeah, I, I I've talked to them, so I know <laughs> I know what what you know. Do, do they you know are are they a big enough personality? Are they what can how can I talk to them to get them to sound excited to get them? You know what I mean? And and you're. And you're kind of going into this a little bit blind, but you know, the, the other thing I tell guys is dude, it's a Friday night at a contest. You know, I'm, I'm probably on my fourth whiskey. You're on your second beer, but that's fair. The, you know, the, the fact is this, this is kind of how we go about it, yeah. you know? And, and so, you know, to me, I also think our job as host is to foster that kind of secure, no, there's nobody listening. We're just talking. Right. We're just talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and I mean, have you ever told a guest there's a safe word? I've told at least three. <laughs> no, I I just uh, like if I, if I tell you we're doing 13 or 14 minutes and I'm giving you the wrap up at six, draw your own conclusions. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Hey, last question. Then I'm gonna wrap up so we can flip over to you. Yeah. How did Dan from Watch Eula happen? How did it happen? I don't know. He called in. You tell me. Who gave I, him the phone number? And this is this, this is for guys oh that go God. way way oh back. And now he just made an appearance the, yep. uh, the couple shows ago. Yeah, tried to win an eye grill too. But but can you give a quick background of Dan from Wachula and how it happened? So I can only imagine that uh, Dan from Wachula is is like a Jim Rome guy to a certain degree because this guy. Used to call in a lot. I'm, I guess he's from Watch. I didn't even know there was really a Wachula until yeah. Matt Barber came up on the scene. And, and actually, he and actually he spells it wrong. Yeah. He, he, so that's like even worse. And so he would yeah. he calls in, and he sounds like effeminate, and I, I don't know if it's like a voice or if he's really like that. But he would call in with the express purpose of me hanging up on him. He would make some veiled homoerotic reference that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. And, God, but Greg, then take your dick out of my ear. Yeah, and then he would, uh, <laughs> and then he would like 
like the other night we were talking i had meathead on before i was doing the contest and he's like oh um this isn't much fun let's bring meathead back where he talks about it's it doesn't matter about the size of the meat i mean so like you know right there i'm usually running him off the airways but we're mid-game show but that's like what he does and then he stopped calling and then he's made maybe two or three calls this year so i encourage dan to call early often i mean it's always i, I just never know what he's gonna say so that's the, the genesis is he just started calling and i started picking up well dan from wachula if you're listening greg will probably have an open segment tonight you you need to get in that's right Ten thirty-five. we're open get in quick lubricated and deep <laughs> all right my friend get out of here <laughs> probably got a buzzer. All right, Greg. We're going to wrap up, bro. It's been a blast. Everybody stay tuned here. I'm going to do 30 seconds outro and uh, and drop Greg off. And then, dude, I'm going I'm to be listening in. Uh, enjoy, enjoy Greg's show. Greg, anything you want to hit on the way out? No. Appreciate the time, uh, Chad and Griff and Tim. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye.